0: Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called The Gospel Primer. It's about Good news in all of life. And as you saw at the end of the rolling video there, we're asking the question today, what is the gospel? Now, you, you may have heard, you likely have, if you've been around the Grove at all, you've heard the gospel talked about. You've heard me preach on it and um, and, and proclaim that. And, and you may have, though, uh, despite some of my best efforts, it's still possible that when you think gospel, you think about a, a list of facts, historical facts about Jesus that happened over 2,000 years ago. Things like Jesus is God's own son and was born of a virgin mother, lived a perfect and sinless life, and exchanged his life in place of our lives on a cross. All of that showing that God, his Father, had accepted this grand exchange of his uh, sinless life in place of ours. Then Jesus was risen from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God. His father. Those are the facts when we talk about the gospel. And if we've we've been told that if we believe that those facts are true, then in faith our sins will be forgiven, and we won't go to hell. And and someday, not just we won't just avoid hell. We'll someday spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Now, those are all true things. Those are all wonderful facts. Those are amazing truths about Jesus. But as we look together this past week, as we began to go through the first week of the book, The Gospel Primer, uh, what we saw is that the gospel is so much bigger and more immediate, more now than just that that I, I mentioned. I love this description from author and theologian Tim Keller. He says this, that the gospel... Uh, in defining it, the gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and renew creation, that includes us, in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And I think about that. That is good news. That's what the word gospel means. And it's not only good news about our sin problem, our need for a rescue, and about our eternity. That's for sure true for all of us. But the gospel, as Keller explains is also really, really good news for this life today, here and now. And, and what we're looking at is that as we move from unbelief to belief concerning the gospel in more and more areas of our lives, that we will experience this good news for ourselves daily, increasingly. And, and that's not only good news for us who are Christians. It's also very good news for everyone that you and I know. And it's beautiful and attractive to others when we live out this reality that I've been describing. One of the goals and and hopes we have for us as a community as we go through this series in, in the many weeks to come is that we will make it more and more normal to speak the gospel to each other regularly and naturally. A number of years ago, almost five years ago, in fact, I had the opportunity to take a mission trip down to the Dominican Republic with my oldest son, Cade. We were down there to uh, help build a house and do some baseball uh, instruction, and uh, we had a great time, and I, I got to meet uh, many of the villagers that we were, we were helping out, and um, what, what's interesting is when I was in high school, and really middle school to high school, I took five years of Spanish. I took a lot of Spanish classes but I'm in no way fluent in Spanish. I, I, when I got down there to the Dominican and I'm trying to speak Spanish, I, I knew what a lot of the words meant that I uh, could read on the, the signs and billboards. And as I was talking to people, trying to communicate with kids and adults alike, I was a bit surprised by how much I remembered. And, and I could get by a bit, but, but Spanish was not flowing out of me. Okay? Again, some of it came back and it was fun to, to be able to use some of that. But I was not uh, easily speaking Spanish. I was, it was very broken, it was what many call spanglish, just doing my best to try to communicate something so that the the people that I I cared for and wanted to be able to be a help to could understand me. The facts are, I don't dream in Spanish, right? I I, I don't effortlessly engage in that language. And 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 that's a lot of what it means to be fluent in a language. You, You dream in it, you think about it, it's it's easy to use it. And that's that's what we want to acknowledge, is that if you're fluent in something, you can practice it easily and accurately. Okay, let's just keep that in mind. We're talking about, over the course of this series, being fluent in the gospel. That, that is to say, we want to be able to practice it easily and accurately. So we're not trying to throw away the truth. We want to hold on to the truth. We want it to be accurate, but we want to be able to be accessible. We want to be able to access that truth easily. And so that's the question. What if we could do that with our faith? What if we could do that with the gospel to be able to access those truths in our own lives? You say, well, why is that so important? Why why does it matter whether I'm able to easily apply the truth of the gospel to our lives? The reason is that Every sin or fear or issue that stands in the way of our faithfulness to God's design and Jesus' commands is ultimately a gospel issue. It comes back to the truth of what Jesus has done, who he is, what he's all about, what he came to do in our lives. And, And really, all sin is the outcome of unbelief in God. And so because of that, we can learn to apply the truth about him and the good news to every single area of our lives. That's what we hope to do today. I will tell you this, though. This isn't cheap. To be able to learn to do that, to become gospel fluent, we're going to have to learn to trust God and others with the messiness of our lives. That's part of why we're doing this uh, in our groups. We're inviting you to be a part of a group, and it's not too late for you to still do that, to come on Wednesday nights for the men or uh, for ladies to jump into a group. Um, But it it takes not just being honest with God himself, and that's the first starting point, but also being honest with others. So so today what I want to do is dig a little deeper into one part of something we saw in our first week uh, of the Gospel Primer together, that study guide that we're going through together. So this won't be brand new if you've been reading through and following along. These aren't going to be brand new ideas, but what I want to do is help those ideas to sink in deeper in our lives. And if they are brand new, then great. Uh, I I encourage you to to really think and consider and and spend time this week thinking more about what I'm going to explain today. Uh, I want to highlight some pretty good news about what is now true of us if we are in Christ that will be foundational as we move forward, again, growing in our gospel fluency. I've begun to use that language. I want to define that, right? What does it mean to be fluent in the gospel? The answer is that gospel fluency is the ability to seek, I mean, to see, speak, live, and enjoy the gospel in every area of life, right? You notice what I said there see, speak, live, and enjoy the gospel. We want to be able to, to see how the truth of the gospel plays out in our everyday lives, how we see it pop up in the world that God has created, how we see it even pop up in the kind of culture that gets created, where we we see the themes of the gospel, redemption and others, show up in pop culture and other culture. But we want to be able to talk about it, speak it, to actually engage in a conversation where the gospel comes out of us naturally, where we're able to encourage one another naturally and easily where we're able to live out the truth, the, the commands of God, understanding that those commands are not burdensome because of who Jesus is, which is then to lead us to joy, lead us to be able to enjoy walking with God, even in the difficulties of life, in all our, the areas of our lives. That's our goal for today. And so I want to start out and just read, let uh, you hear this passage and, and the bit of the truth of what I just mentioned. Colossians chapter 2 Verses six through ten, listen to what the author says here. He says, I am so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. He those are code words for what we mean when we say the gospel, to having received Christ Jesus as Lord. to be established in the faith. The faith is the gospel. Um, Just as you were taught overflowing with gratitude, there's that idea then that the gospel is meant to be something that is ongoing. It's something we continue to walk in. It's something that grows us in gratitude, grows us in joy. Then he goes on, he says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature, nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So again, this is important for us to grow in gospel fluency because it helps us not only enjoy what is true about us now, it's also helping us avoid grave error, avoid the kind of um, the the kind of. Uh, uh, leaving behind of these truths that can really wreck our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we ever go to, so far that, or, or go in, in such a direction that the grace of God is, is not available to us still, but it means we can do real wreckage to our lives when we let go of these truths um, and when we forget that God is faithful. He's not going to let go of us. So we want to really dig in and understand what does it look like to continue to walk In these truths. I want to, we we want more of that. And so I want to look at four aspects of what it means to have trusted Jesus Christ. Very often, uh, people learn a foreign language by watching TV shows. You'll hear stories of people who moved to a a country, either came to the United States or went to another country, and, and as a part of really learning the language, growing in fluency, they just watch local television. Why is that? Why does that make such a difference? Well, the benefit is that they are able to pick up on vocabulary, right? Get the basic knowledge that they need of that language, but then they fit that vocabulary into stories. And when you do that, you can go beyond knowing words to understanding how to use those words until you then have the wisdom that is known as fluency. And so again, today and throughout the series, I want to give you both vocabulary and story, to engage our minds and our imaginations, to give us a foundation upon which we can continue to build and grow fluent in the things of our faith, the things of the gospel. So the first thing here, when you trust Christ, uh, the very basic thing we all say, right, you are saved. When you trust Christ, we say you are Saved. Romans 10, 8-9 tells us, uh, the message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It goes on in verse 13, and says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what we, when we describe our faith, our trust in Christ, it is that we have called upon Jesus. We've called upon all those things I just, I described at the beginning in terms of what he's done. We've called upon those things personally and said, Jesus, I need you. You are my Lord. I need you to save me, to rescue me. And so when we describe our lives as Christians, we're described as those who have been saved. But there's more to it than that, right? To, to be saved means that the penalty of your sin is no longer held against you. Um, but, but what does that look like? Right? What does that mean for us? I, I want to, again, begin to weave a story into our understanding of these truths. When I was about 11 years old, uh, my family and I took a, a trip to, to camp on the beach. We were down uh, on a beach in Southern California, just north of San Diego. And uh, I was all excited because I'd begun to uh, get some experience as a boogie boarder, okay? And I, my family hadn't seen this. I'd gone with some friends, and I'd been learning how to boogie board. And so I was super excited. My grandparents were there. I was going to show everybody that I was, uh, I was gaining these boogie boarding skills. I was growing fluent in boogie boarding. Um, and so we head out on the water one day, and I'm all excited, and I'm, I'm looking to catch just the perfect wave to show off my skills but in the midst of that the the waves were were not what I expected and I, I kept looking for a good wave and until eventually I realized man I was way far away from the shore and every effort that I would make to try to get back to shore I'd find myself farther and farther away. I didn't know that there was such a thing as undertow but there was an undertow that was drawing me farther and farther away from the shore despite all of my best efforts. I was in a more dangerous predicament uh, as the minutes ticked away. At some point, I realized this is different, and I'm now in trouble. I realized that predicament. I realized the danger of my situation, and I cried out for help. When I did that, my mom, who was watching us, um, she was the only one there at the time, only adult that, uh, from our family that was there, she began to try to help me. But again, she was in that undertow. She was dealing with the, the incredible power of the waves. And in my cries for help, somebody, a man, a Marine, because we were on a Marine base where this, where this beach was, a Marine came off of the beach, swam out, and he helped me. Um, that's how I was rescued. That's how I was saved from that deadly undertow. Now, I want you to think about that, right? I, he could have simply put me on a raft, said good luck, and gone on his way. And, and in a sense, he would have saved me. Right? I would have been okay. But the problem is that if that's what he had done, there would now be no guarantee that the raft would ever make it back into shore. Uh, and uh, in fact, the boogie board hadn't helped me. Right? I mean, the boogie board, I'd been on the boogie board, I'd actually abandoned the boogie board because I felt like it was, it was getting in the way of me trying to get back to shore. So there's no guarantee that just now having even a better better boogie board or a raft would have gotten me back onto shore. And the facts are, if I'd fallen off of that raft, the nature of those waves hadn't changed. I'd be in just as much danger as before, still in need of saving. And, and in the same way, there's more to what we mean when we talk about being saved. Well, we're not just temporarily mo- removed from the danger, only to be Uh, to to find ourselves back in the danger again. See, to be saved means we're also justified. When when you trust Christ, part of being saved is that you are justified. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. See, to be justified means that you are declared as righteous as Jesus. And not just one time, but forever. To to be saved, to put our trust in Christ means that when God sees us, he sees us just as if I'd never sinned before. There's more to it. That's a a bit of a simplistic explanation, but it's a helpful one in that we we understand that what is happening when we receive Christ, we receive this good news of salvation, is that God now declares that we are righteous, just as righteous as Jesus. We receive His righteousness because He took our sin when He went to the cross. That's mind-boggling. It's what theologians call the great exchange. And it's not just a a temporary righteousness. It's a forever righteousness. When I was rescued from the deadly waves, Right? I wasn't just stuck on a raft, still surrounded by all the danger. Instead, that Marine grabbed me, and, and at, at cost to himself, right? at, at endangering himself, he pulled me back onto the shore, pulled me all the way up, where I was completely out of the threat of those waves. At that point, I was secure in such a way that it was as if I'd never gone into those treacherous waters. And that's the kind of thing that is, is what is meant by being justified. Again, it's as if, I, God sees me as if I never engaged in all the deadly and dangerous sin that my life, your life, all of our lives are marked by. That is, we are justified. But there's more. In fact, we're also adopted. Ephesians 1.5 says, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I want you to just stop for a second with me. Think about those words. Notice it says he, he, he wanted, this is a, and we're not going to get into all the, the nuts and bolts of what does that word predestined mean? But just understand what what I want you to, to really think about, though, is that that this is something that God didn't just conjure up as a plan B. Oh no, I better do something. I guess, yeah, I guess you can twist my arm and, and convince me to do something. No, God's plan from all time was for us to be a part of his forever family. And that's not something he's doing grudgingly. It's according to the good pleasure of See, when you are adopted, when when you are saved, it means you are justified. It also means you are adopted. And what that means is that you are fully loved and accepted, welcomed into the Father's forever family. Loved and accepted. How much of what we see, how much of the the brokenness around us, how much of the the broken relationships, broken lives, just the difficulty that we face, is often motivated by simply people pursuing love and acceptance. How much in your own life, when you look back, you go, man, I, I just, I was really just asking, am I accepted? Does somebody really love me? And I made all kinds of bad decisions because in that moment, I wasn't sure that I was really accepted, that somebody really, truly loved me. See, the message of the gospel is, it's not just somebody fully loving and accepting you. It's the one somebody, your very creator, who, who in his good pleasure desires you to know of the fullness of his love and acceptance through Jesus Christ. See, when I went into those waters and I was trying to showboat and show off all of my boogie boarding skills and then found myself in danger, The first person off the beach to come help me was my own mom. Now, I put her in danger when I did that. I also put that Marine in danger who had to risk his life. And so despite having put people at danger, especially, right? you Think about from my family's perspective. Despite having put my mom at risk, the first response when I was safe was not to be scolded. It was to be welcomed. It was to be embraced. In the same way, we need to understand that that in Christ, God's response to our sin, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ came. He he loved us. He gave himself for us. That first response, God's first instinct, his first, first inclination, is that he wants to welcome us. He wants to embrace us in the midst of our poverty, in the midst of that danger that we brought upon ourselves in our sin. See, I, I wasn't, when I was back on shore also, understand I wasn't simply left to myself to be grateful to be alive, right? I, I was taken back to camp, brought back to where our tents were, where that, the fire was, brought back to camp, reconciled with my family, embraced, accepted. And so it is. For us who are in Christ. But there's this lingering question that, that we can deal with. Right? I mean, the facts are I, I could have warmed up, received the love my family uh, that, that my family was offering, and then I could have run headlong right back into the danger, determined that this time it was going to be different, and I was, I was going to be stronger than that undertow. And it's a fair question, right? Because isn't that what most of us do in a sense? But we've, we've trusted Christ and yet we continue to do the very thing, the very things that required that trust in the first place. Well we know we've been saved. We, we recognize, man I, there's, there's sin in my life. I need a rescuer, and yet our lives are also marked by, at times running headlong back into those same patterns, that same kind of dangerous living. This is a good question, but it, it brings us to our last point. About the, the truth of what does it mean to be in Christ, to be saved. Finally, understand we are also sanctified. We are saved, we are adopted, we are justified, but we are also sanctified. Ephesians 3 16 through 18 is this prayer for the Ephesian church, it is a prayer for all believers. And Paul the Apostle, he prays, he says, I, I pray that he, being God, may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. See, when you are sanctified, to say we are sanctified, it's something we both are and are being. We are being sanctified. We have a new identity. And we have power for living because the Holy Spirit, God Himself, now lives inside of you. That's what it means to be sanctified. And that's the description of what's going on here in Ephesians 3. This description of what it means to have the Holy Spirit living in us is that we are growing more and more aware of the truth of what has happened, of the the unconditional love and acceptance or the, the radical love and acceptance that we find in Christ. Again, my experience on that beach provides some helpful insight in understanding what it means to be sanctified. When I was brought into back to my family and we began to debrief that experience, I learned for the very first time something I didn't understand, and that was undertow, like I mentioned earlier. I didn't know there was such a thing before I went into the waters. I'd been in those waters before. I, I thought I was okay. I thought there was no big deal. There was. The, I, I thought I understood the danger. And yet, there was a greater danger than I even knew. I I knew that that some, I probably experienced undertow to some degree, but not to the degree that I did that day. And now, through the help of my family, I understood that danger differently, having not only lived it, but also now learning more about how the ocean worked. And the result was, I, I now was learning and had learned better how to enjoy this New life, right? In a sense, and, and how to avoid that future da- that danger in the future. I, I was now able to enjoy a world where the waters are are no less enjoyable, but no longer marred by the threat of death. Now, again, to some degree, that was my experience with the ocean. I, I was more aware of it. I could I could handle it a little bit differently. It didn't make it any less deadly, but that new understanding, that new. Growing wisdom was helping me avoid those dangers. And so it is with being saved. Is that, but but even more fully, is that when we are in Christ, we are not only rescued from those waters, but we now get to enjoy the waters for what they are, enjoy the world for as it's meant to be created, with the hope that someday the danger will be completely removed. Right? When we're saved, we're given a new outlook. We're aware of the dangers of sin and even still prone to seek out that danger from time to time. But now, with a growing awareness of what real life is like, well, we now have this awareness of the goodness of righteousness. That's a, a difference. And with the help of the Holy Spirit of God, we're able to, again, live and enjoy this life differently. We're, we're able to understand in a greater measure what it looks like to leave behind that old way of living, I want you to remember Colossians 2, 6-10. through 10, Just briefly, let's, let's look at that again. Again, so then, verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue uh, to live your lives in Him. Right, Continue to walk in Him. And it goes on, it says Be, in verse 10, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him. Right? That word, you have been filled, the, the word there in, in the original language, it, it speaks of a reality that has happened and yet continues. This is a reality that has taken place and yet continues on indefinitely into the future. It's not just a future reality. It is a present reality. You have been filled by him. That's the reality of the gospel in our lives, that we have to take hold of more and more, is to recognize, no, this is something God's already done in me. But the purpose of having done that in me is not just to let me kick back and wait for when that will all be beneficial, but instead to live out that reality here and now. And what that means is that the the foundation of a gospel-centered, of a a missional life, a life lived for God's glory, the foundation of that is this decision to offer to God our plans for our life in exchange for His plans. We, we We can now allow the truth about who God is and what He has done and our new identity in Christ to inform all of life, everything that we do. That's true salvation in action. That's gospel good news. That's what we're trying to learn to become more and more aware of, more and more fluent in, for that to come easily, to be accessible to us, to talk about these things, to encourage one another in these things. And so I want to encourage you this week. Ask God, one, just ask God to help you be teachable, to maybe unlearn something if you need to, There might be aspects of this that you say, you know, the way I've been thinking about that is off. I need to unlearn that. But also ask God to help you to grow in this gospel fluency that we're we're addressing over these next eight weeks. And then I also want to encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, get your own gospel primer. The books are—they're are, going to be they in this weekend, and uh, if you don't, we—we want to get those to you. So I haven't been able to talk about it much because they were hung up in the mail, but we got it all straightened out, and so the books are here, and uh, we want you to be able to have access to those, and be able to use that on a daily basis as you're building a, a habit or continuing the habit of spending daily time with God, ten to fifteen minutes, maybe just getting started, but it'll give you gui- a guide to go through and begin to think through these things. Um, and you'll come, when we gather back on Sundays, having already thought about a lot of what we're going to talk about, and I'll be able to, to talk about it and, and help us maybe dig into it a little deeper or just look at it from a slightly different angle. Next week, we're going to go through, again, week two of the Gospel Primer together, and, and when we get back here on Sunday, we're going to look at the story of God and, and how your life is a part of this big eternal story. So, I think you really enjoyed. I'm looking forward to being back together. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to gather and to continue to learn what it means to be fluent in the gospel, to be fluent uh, in the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done and what that does for our lives. Help these truths we've looked at today that we are. If we are in Christ, that we are saved and justified, adopted, and sanctified. Help those things to sink deeply into us. And help us to see those implications for what that means for all of life. And Lord, I I do indeed pray, if there are those watching, those that maybe haven't watched, but, but those that we know, um, that have yet to receive this goodness that comes through Christ and trusting Christ. That today would be a day of salvation. It doesn't have to be a day in the future. Today can be that day. That they would hear this good news today or, or, or as soon as possible. And that Spirit of God, you would in build in them a, a desire, a, this, this understanding of their need for rescue they would find the the only good and true and forever rescuer in Jesus. God, please work mightily in the lives of those we know who have yet to bow the knee and, and receive this good news, this life in Christ. And help us to be messengers, to be bearers of that good news to others as well. We ask that in Jesus' name. you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us and join us again next week for another podcast from the Grove Church. Have a great day!